Amen. By the way, here tonight, you can be fooling everybody in this service. You may have looked over to your companion and said, I know I'm saved. Yeah, I know I'm saved. But the one person you cannot hide it from, if you're not, is the Holy Ghost of God. And he's got the ability to slip in beside of where you're sitting and say, why are you here without no garment on? Because he knows beyond a doubt. That's a good message. Amen. All right. Let me have your microphone, please. All right. We'll switch it out. And praise the Lord. Tonight, if God's touched your work, now, we're in the end service. There's no, there's no limit. We have no, we have no time thing on this, on these altars right here. God touches your heart and you need to come to an altar. You just help yourself. Don't wait around. Don't wait around them, God. Just, just come. And, and we'll, they'll be okay. We'll help you. Amen. All right. Don't you listen gladly. I'll lie to you, preachers. So very thankful for the preaching that we've already heard about Jesus Christ and the gospel. And I hope that you have that garment today. What a blessing. That was a blessing for the Tyler. Please join me in 1 Thessalonians. I find it amazing that many times when we go to a meeting, whether it be camp meeting or I've been in meetings where I've preached with other men, sometimes God does something extra special. And He takes those two messages and He knits them right together. And couldn't have had a more perfect fitting message for what the Lord has laid on my heart in First Thessalonians as I've been reading it this week. Such a wonderful book. Paul and Silas and Timothy traveling to Thessalonica and they meet this church. They started this church. And then all of a sudden, now they are gone and they're writing again. Paul is trying to encourage them. And he's remembering them. And let's take a look at what the Word of God says. Heavenly Father, Lord, please bless your Word as we read it. Thank you for being so good to us and so merciful. And thank you for the Gospel. In Jesus' name, Amen. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus and the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Here the Bible is telling us in 1 Thessalonians that there has been something come to town. It came with Paul and Silas and Timothy. And because of this, God was choosing people. Now we talk about the election of God and many people want to go to the side of saying, well, God chooses if people go to heaven or they go to hell. Well, that's just not so. 
The Bible says that Jesus Christ died on the cross and tasted death for each and every man. So whenever it says many are called but few are chosen, just as it said in Brother Tyler's passage, it's saying that the whole entire world has given and gotten the opportunity from the Lord Jesus Christ. He has died for each and every person. And here He's saying, we know that you are the elected of God. I couldn't think of a more reliable source than Charles Haddon Spurgeon about this. He mentioned in one of his books that he believes the gates of heaven on the front will say, "Whoever, whosoever will. In the back will say, the elect of God. If that makes a paints a more clear picture of what election is, just briefly. And if you read the Bible, you cannot help but see that salvation is for each and every person. But here we come. He says, we know that you are saved, born again believers. And how did our gospel come unto you? The first question I was going to ask, and the reason why this fits so perfectly with what you just spoke about, but I appreciate your Bible message, was the fact that we, what is the gospel? Brother Tyler just preached it. What is the gospel? It is the death, burial, and resurrection for Jesus Christ for each and every person, for each and every man, woman, boy, and girl who will see their self as a sinner and see God as the only way out of that sin. He has made a way. It's already been said, but I'm just going to say it again. For God so loved the world. Not the world of the elect, not just one certain people group, not just one class of people, but for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, this was Paul and Silas and Timothy's Gospel because they had received it. And if, you, if you'll miss that little word there, it says, for our Gospel. Came not only in word only. It doesn't mean that they had a different gospel than the Bible. It means that their gospel was one, was the gospel of the Bible. They were just making it personal. And dear friend, today I hope that you have made the gospel personal because the gospel has came to all of us. So we've answered the question, what is the gospel? Very clearly, Brother Tyler's answered that for us. Now we have to answer the question, where did the gospel come from? Well, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. And it takes faith to believe in the Bible. It takes faith to believe in the gospel that Jesus Christ is the only way, truth, and life. And no man cometh unto the Father by Him. It takes faith to believe in this Word, even though it's perfect. I think we don't fully understand that being imperfect people. That this Word is perfect and it's eternal and it shares every attribute with God. So we know what the Gospel is. We know where it came from. But how does the Gospel come to us? Let's read here. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 verse 12, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Maybe today, as Brother Tyler was preaching, God has laid it on your heart, Sir, you're not wearing that garment of salvation. You've not truly been saved. You've not truly 
forgiven of your sins because you've never seen yourself as a sinner. Can I remind you that the Word of God is quick and powerful and it's sharper and it pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. When I got the opportunity to travel to England with our school, it was amazing because we had this sword club with these children. And the theme verse was this. It was, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And all the kids would act like they had a sword and they would go, shing! And it was the funniest thing ever. But what we were trying to teach them was that the Word of God is powerful and it is quick and it is sharper and the Gospel comes to us by the Word. It says here in our text in 1 Thessalonians verse 5, For our Gospel came not unto you in word only, but it did come to you in the Word. Anybody can be saved if they'll take time and read the Word of God. Anybody can accept that they're a sinner by reading the pages. Maybe the Ten Commandments, recognizing that we've broke most of them. If we look at God's standard, we realize we fall so short. Not only in word has it come to us, the Bible says, but also in power. Now this is a powerful truth. Everybody turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 teaches us a great truth about the Gospel. One that I think we forget often. One that I think we don't hold dear. We don't know this attribute like the back of our own hand, and we should. It would help us be more bold. It would help us be more courageous in these last days if we thought about it. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, it says this. Paul is speaking. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We go back to that marriage scene that Brother Tyler was speaking to us about, and we see that the first half was the chosen people and the invited people, and then all of a sudden God opens the door. The man who has the marriage opens the door and he says, Get everyone you can to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I am so thankful that God did that. Because I am not a Jew. I'm not one of the chosen people. I am a lowly dog of a man, a Gentile, that God has seen fit to save and to pull out of the mire and to, to recreate me as a person. Behold, all things old pass away. And behold, all things become new. I'm a new creature in Christ. The Gospel comes to us in power. It is the power of of God unto salvation. But there is a small, small section of words here that changes the destiny of everyone in here. To everyone that believeth. It's a choice. It's funny that we can choose to be chosen. But that's the way God's made it. How does the Gospel come to us? Well, it comes to us in word. But not in word only. It comes to us in power. But then I find something else. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. This goes right along with our verse here in 1 Thessalonians. It says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. God is saying that the gospel is brought to us in the Holy Ghost. 
The Bible says in 1 John, turn with me to chapter 5 of the book of 1 John, and in verse 10 it has something for us. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of His Son. And this is the record. That God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You must be a witness of what God has done for you before you can witness. I know I seem like I say this every time I preach, but I'm trying to get you to learn it because repetition is the mother of learning. We are Holy Ghost ridden. If we are born again, children of God, the Gospel has come to us and something else has happened on the inside. The Holy Ghost dwells. That means lives, abides in us as believers. And it's been that way since the day of Pentecost. And it's the most amazing thing to me that this morning, pastor was preaching on John. He said, I baptize you with water, but there is one who is coming that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever He saves us, we accept that we are a sinner and we accept that He is the Savior and we put our faith and trust alone in Him and His grace that has pulled us from our sin and from the one-way ticket to hell that we had. We get the Holy Ghost. So as the Gospel comes to us, simultaneously the Holy Spirit now indwells us and directs us as a believer. And that gives us assurance. Read down with me to verse 13 in 1 John chapter 5. It says this, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know. Not that ye may guess, not that ye may hope, not that ye may... Maybe God will keep His Word. Maybe He'll keep His promise. Maybe whenever God wrote this, His fingers were behind His back. That's not how God works. God says that He wants us to know that ye have eternal life. And if today God has laid it on your heart that you are not where you need to be, that you are not where you used to be, that there is some place you need to be other than where you're at, today is the day of salvation. Salvation, true salvation, comes with much assurance. I went to Bible college. I thought I was saved. Everything was going well. But I used to always doubt. I used to always wonder. Nobody was around for a while and I was by myself out in the woods or something. Praying, doing whatever. Goofing off. It was the most amazing thing. I would always call somebody or text somebody just to make sure there's somebody else on the earth with me. Thought maybe the rapture had come. You can ask my grandmother, please don't, but you can, about um, how many times I would call to her. Grandma, are you still in there? Yeah, I'm still in here. Elijah, where am I going to go? You know I don't like to drive anywhere. The Bible gives us salvation. It's brought to us in word. It's brought to us in power. It's brought to us in the Holy Ghost. And it's brought to us in much assurance. But look at something else. And I hope that every one of us will take this to heart. This has hit me hard this week. Been studying this and looking at it. The Bible says in examples of other Christians, God has brought us the gospel. 
I hope that I'm one of those Christians. Go back to 1 Thessalonians with me, our passage. 1 Thessalonians, it says this, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Paul said, we acted like Christians and we were very, very strict about what we did, about what we said, about how we lived our life in all manner of conversation. We were not filthy. We were not wicked. We were not full of lasciviousness and all this junk. And he says, we have been an example as best we can to you. Not only does he say, as ye know what manner of men we were among you, but he goes a step further. He says in verse 6 through 8, And ye become followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also into every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. He's saying, you saw us being examples, being Christians, 24-7, 365 days a year. And I'm wondering today, is there some people who will enlist in the full-time Christian service? On your job, whenever you are going to bed, whenever you have your family there, would you be a Christian at all times? The Bible says that there were examples of other Christians. Turn me to 1 Timothy Chapter 4, very quickly. 1 Timothy chapter 4 gives us an extreme example of being an example. He talks to him and Paul is giving instruction to Timothy. Almost like an old preacher and a young preacher boy. And he's telling him, he's saying, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Timothy, you're going to be pushed against because of your youth, but if you will apply these half a dozen truths to your Christian life, the people you need to reach will receive you. And that's how you got to the stereotype of youth. But be thou an example of the believers, is what he told Timothy. You know what that word, be thou an example, means? That word example? It almost means like you're making a mark with a stamp. It's like you have something on a piece of paper. Whenever we were, um, I wrote one letter to Janet while I was in England. I'm a terrible boyfriend and even worse husband. God's been good. And she, I wrote her one letter. And I didn't even mail it. I gave it to a friend who flew with it in his pocket and he gave it to her. But on that letter was a wax seal. And I took the wax and I pushed the stamp into it. Until it got hard and I pulled it off. I wanted it to look like authentic. Like it was straight from England. Didn't even have like a return address. It didn't have any kind of stamp on it. It just appeared. I was like, this would be really cool. You know, mysterious. <laughs> and uh, she got the letter. It made her cry. I was like, I wish it wouldn't have made you cry. That's terrible. She missed me terribly. But that's what this word example means. It means to leave a mark. Yes. It means that that little seal had the mark of that stamp in it. And right now, it's saying that Paul was such an example to these people, he left his mark on them. 
And he's telling Timothy the same thing. Be thou an example of the believers. We want every believer to know that you are trying to form yourself into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want His face stamped all over your life for each and every believer. I want it there and there. And I want people to know that when they see you, you are an example of a Christian because your life has been marked by the Savior. Another word that that word mark, that word tupos, that's using example, is also used for mark when it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ being nailed to the cross. So Jesus Christ has been marked so we can leave His mark on this world. I find that so amazing. Not only does the Gospel come to us in Word and in power and the precious Holy Spirit, in much assurance, in examples of other Christians, but it comes to us with a major responsibility. And here we are. A major responsibility is God's expectations. Paul was put in trust with the gospel. Very quickly, let me read this. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, with triance, with tri- which trieth our hearts. Today, will you give the gospel to someone? Or do you not even have the gospel in and of yourself to leave your mark on this world? We are called and chosen to give the gospel. We have clearly been given the gospel. What have you done with it? Have you shared it? Have you accepted it? I hope that you will today.